Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, which features the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. Intelligent risk-taking is important for growing and established firms alike, and more so in today's complex and dynamic global business environment. It can also stimulate creativity and innovation and contribute to a firm's long-term success. However, a firm's risk-taking behaviour and risk propensity is very much dependent on its chief executive and board of directors. Dr. Gennaro Bernil is an assistant professor of finance at the SMU Lee Kong Chien School of Business. He has built up a broad portfolio of multidisciplinary research which studies various aspects of corporate finance in new and rigorous ways. In this podcast, Assistant Professor Bernil shares his insights into how the personal childhood disaster experiences of CEOs and the diversity of boards influence their firm's risk-taking behaviours and discusses the practical applications of his research findings for businesses. Professor Bernil, you have published a broad range of interesting and innovative research topics related to finance. What inspires you to come up with these topics? By training, I'm an economist. Okay, so what I like to think about is how people make decisions when there are either explicit or implicit costs and benefits associated with a particular decision. Now, finance is just a particular context in which I apply this mental framework, or I tend to apply this mental framework, but as you noticed, the topics that I'm interested in span a wide range of areas. So I would say that the guiding light is the economic framework, you know, decision-making, and then wherever I can figure a relevant area where that framework applies, that's where I lay my eyes. What are some of the multidisciplinary research you have published? I'd say that one common theme in my research has to do with regulation. Um, I have a keen interest in capital markets regulations. I've worked for the Security and Exchange Commission in the US, so the interest that I already had in regulation kind of grew when I was there. And I have some papers that are accounting related. I have written some papers in uh, behavioral finance. I think it's incredibly interesting. And in the last few years, I think even the most orthodox of finance academics have come around to acknowledge that people's behavior is affected by cognitive biases that classical models don't allow. Like I said, the, the applications at the end of the day all, always have some kind of finance implication but the context may change or vary quite a bit across the projects that I work on. I understand that in one of your research, you looked at how the personal childhood disaster experiences of CEOs may affect their risk-taking behaviours later in life. Could you tell us more? Yes. We wanted to examine how traumatic experiences early in life affect risk-taking later in life. And uh, I think the root of this project is in something that I lived through when I was five years old. When I was five, uh, we experienced the strongest earthquake in recent history in the era where I was born. And it's the first memory that I have as a child. I remember that day you know, vividly, and I always wondered how that event impacted me. What we're looking at in this project is whether experiencing traumatic events affects your risk-taking and whether the intensity of that experience affects you differently depending on whether you witness the consequences of the disaster or or not okay the basic idea of the paper is that if you go through a potentially traumatic event without witnessing consequences you might develop a sense of invincibility okay so develop 
an appetite for risk because you believe that bad things cannot happen to you. You may be more prone to take risk. Whereas if you go through a similar event but you witness dire consequences, you're more aware of the potential downside of taking risk. And lo and behold, in this project, we're finding evidence that is strongly consistent with that. The particular context, again, you know, the big picture question is not a finance question, but the particular context is that of CEOs of publicly traded companies. And we look at, you know, how the experience of natural disasters when they were a child or children affects their risk taking when they become CEOs. And we're finding this kind of uh, inverse U-shaped relation that I was mentioning, right? Those that don't uh, experience disasters take a certain level of risk. If you experience disasters without consequences, the amount of risk goes up. And if you do witness the consequences, the risk goes down. Okay, So you have this inverse hump-shaped curve between risk-taking and the intensity of fatal disaster experience. The paper is doing pretty well, I have to say. We're quite happy with how the paper has been uh, received, both in the econ academic uh, world as well as the finance academic world. And... Uh, I am not at liberty to disclose, but there will be recognition later this year for this paper. Important recognition. This sounds very insightful. Was the data collection process challenging? It was painful. It took a year and a half. We had to collect the birth dates and birthplaces of uh, the CEOs. We started with 6,000 CEOs. We could only get uh, data for 2,000 spare. It wasn't easy. Uh, and in fact, you know, we failed in 60% of the times we couldn't find that information. Then with the data on birth dates and birthplaces, we merged that data set that we collected with another hand-collected data set, which is a county-level disaster event data set. It was easy for the 1960-2000 period because there is a public source in the U.S. that has that information financed by the government. The problem is that most of our CEOs are born before 1960. So we had to hand collect that data. We built a database that is similar to the post-1961, but we used uh, government agency records, uh, newspaper articles, uh, internet websites, wherever we could get that information. And then we cross basically merged those two databases to infer the disaster experience of the CEOs in our sample. In terms of practical application, how do you think companies can benefit from these findings? Okay. My, my guess is that uh, board of directors don't really look at the pedigree of CEO back to when they were a child to see whether they experienced disasters or not. But our research does show that maybe it's worthwhile investigating the life history of a CEO before appointing or of a person before appointing that person to be the CEO of a firm. And in fact, there are some results in our paper that suggest that Maybe they don't look at the history, but they do. board of directors do in fact worry about the risk propensity of CEOs when they're appointing it uh, around CEO changes, CEO turnovers. Okay? What we find is that in the two years following a new appointment, the firm policies changes dramatically if the new CEO has dramatically different risk preferences compared to the old CEO. So again, the practical implication is that you know this suggests that the personal history of a of an individual should be a determinant factor when a board of directors is going through the vetting process. Professor, were there other factors that you found to have an impact on a firm's risk-taking behavior? Sure. There is a, another paper that looks at firm risk-taking, so in that sense this new project is related to what we just discussed, but it comes at it from a completely different perspective. And again, it has a multidisciplinary flavor in the sense that there are some organizational, you know, human resource organization aspects to what we're doing. Basically, the question that we're asking is, how does diversity among board members affect 
firm risk taking, organizational theory, the economics of the how teams make decisions suggest that teams could either be more prone to take bad risks, less efficient at handling risk, or more efficient at handling risk, depending on how the information sharing takes place within the team, right? Different people have different views, and so they, they do process different information. The problem is whether that information is then aggregated efficiently within the team. So it could go either way. And what we're finding is that when there is more diversity inside the board and diversity not in one particular dimension, we look at sex, age, ethnicity, past professional experiences, financial expertise. So, you know, it's a multidimensional concept of diversity. We find that when the board is in fact more diverse, the firm is less risky, but not because they're taking the safe path. In fact, firms that have more diverse boards also innovate more. They spend more on innovation, they produce more patents, they produce more successful patents. So it's not like they're living the easy life, the safe life. They're just making better decisions, which after the fact turn out to be less risky. And on top of that, they definitely take less financial risk. So they take on less debt, uh, they hold more cash. So they minimize the amount of financial risk that they take and they optimize the amount of real investment risk that they take. So again, in that sense, it's related to the paper that we discussed earlier because it's about how firms manage risk. And this is another important dimension that has important practical implications, especially in the local context, in the Asian context, right? Because my understanding is that the typical board of directors in Asia is not as diverse as in other parts of the world, it tends to be older men, Asian men, Okay, so maybe there is room for younger women in the board of directors in uh, Asia, and you know that's one practical prescription that would come out of our recent research. Insightful and very relevant research findings indeed. How can academia share this knowledge with the private sector so that more can benefit? I think it is up to us to make sure that the message reaches the outside world, so publicizing the research, the practically relevant research that uh, our faculty produces, I think that's an important role for the central administration, for sure. Fostering relationships between faculty and industry, I think that's an important aspect, an idea that I'm definitely keen on. I would say that that's also why I'm so much, so, so interested in capital markets regulation, because that's one area of research where you immediately see the practical applications. And it's always been something in the back of my mind. I'm always interested to know that my research can make a, a real impact, right? And it's nice when you realize that what you're doing not only gets you tenure, but it actually has an impact in the real life. Thank you very much, Professor. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.